So the other day, I was looking through our photo album of our children, our daughters, and now our, our grandchildren, and I was just stunned at how much they have changed and grown. And I, I still think of them as I think eighteen, nineteen, twenty, and and they're not anymore. And it just feels like the years have just raced by, and that these. Precious little things now have children of their own, and I'm just stunned at how much can take place in a person's life and development in just uh, what seems like a heartbeat. Welcome to the Ransom Heart podcast. This is Craig McConnell, and oh my gosh, look at the studio. I've got Morgan Snyder and then our own Alan Arnold, who... Looks a little funky with these headphones on. Morgan thought he looked like a gazelle. Hey, pronghorn. Pronghorn. Okay. Better What's than the what difference? you thought, yeah. What are gazelles? You're Cars? You're a big game hunter. Come on. Okay. You know I only shoot jackalopes. <laughs> I so. wish we could insert a picture into a podcast right now. See the jackalope in your office, by the way. I'm proud of it. You're welcome to swing by the outpost and look at my jackalope anytime. <laughs> <laughs> so, Alan. Why don't we look to you and just as you're looking back over your own life, just your growth and what Jesus has done. And, you know, he longs to transform us and to take us from from children to men and how we view, relate, and how we live. As you look over your life over these last seasons, how you're different now than you were a few seasons ago. Oh, man. A very different man than I was a few seasons ago. And other than the headphones. Other than the headphones. And I had much more hair many seasons ago, too. But internally, especially, such a different person. Um, if you were to look back in maybe eight years ago, very driven, um, measured the day, the success of the day, the value of the day by how much I got done. And a good day was when you were able to check off the 25 things on your list. A bad day was when something derailed it. And the derailment could be something like somebody came into your office and wanted to have a conversation about their heart. Well, that's not on the checklist. Mm. I don't have time for that. Mm. And so very different in just the drivenness and the productivity. And, And that was really what was rewarded by in the area that I worked in at that time, that was really the measure of success was revenue, um, productivity, um, growth in the division. And so you find what gives you success. And so oftentimes as a man, you run after that. And I was just, the blinders were just falling off 10 years ago. And so I was following God I was in this message, but from a distance, and I was missing the bigger picture. So that was me then. That said, I've been able to look back a little bit lately because I'm I'm going to turn 50 in a few weeks. And so this has been a chance for me in these last 25 days or so before that happens, a chance to really go, well, how was the last decade? Like even before you asked the question, Craig, it was, what have the 40s been for me? And it's been my favorite decade because it's been the decade of the most growth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
turning 50. And what has that stirred up? Well, age has never been a, a, you know, for some people, they really focus on it. For me, it's just a chance to reflect back on the last decade. I feel younger than I felt in the last probably 20 years Mm. in terms of just who I am. So, you know, it's a number on a calendar as far as days. But as far as looking back at the last decade, Craig, when I started here, one of the phrases you told me that I've just gone back to literally weekly, if not daily, has been that this was an invitation when I started Ransomed Heart three years ago from productivity into presence. And that was one of the most disruptive things anybody had ever told me because I knew how to be really productive and I had no idea how to be fully present. Mm -hmm. I had no idea how to be valued for presence and what that would even look like. And so that was three years ago and that really started me on the next phase of my journey, which was now I'm a part of a team of men who can see through the bullshit and where there's not a daily sales report that measures your productivity. Mm -hmm. And so if I'm going to come to the table naked, no file folder, no Mm -hmm. report, then how do I bring my presence in a way that matters? Mm -hmm. And so that's been a big part of my journey since I've been here. Alan, Craig and I have had the amazing honor of being witnesses to that transformation over this last season, because you're right, to think of the the culture, the Christian professional culture you came to, and then watch you dive into a culture that we still have to produce things, but the higher value is agreeing with the kingdom of God and operating in how God wants to move and work in our lives and then through us. I can think of so many times where I've watched you kind of start to move into that mode of metrics and measurement and production and then kind of rub against our culture as you were learning it going, oh, those aren't the values here. Take us into your heart because I've seen the fruit of you being totally transformed in those ways. Take us in to understand what that internal process was like and what some of the kind of the milestones were for you to become who you are today? Yeah. Well, it started, I mean, I just recently realized the beginning point, because I didn't grow up as a driven child and was not that way in high school, college, wasn't all about the grades or the productivity. But in my first job, I was at an ad agency and working one Saturday. And my boss's boss's boss happened to be in. So the head of the whole division And I had just been out of college a few months, and I was in my cubicle and working on a Saturday, and there weren't many people there. And as he left the building, I didn't even think he knew my name, but he dropped a sealed envelope on my desk and said, hey, I heard your dad was in town this weekend. Give this to him. And I thought, oh, man, what? Like, I don't even really know this man. Mm. And he could blink, and I could be fired. And so my dad came in town to visit. I gave him the envelope. He opened it. And basically, I still have it to this day, but basically it said, I'm so proud of your son because he's the kind of man who will come in and work on a weekend Mm. and he values productivity and doing whatever it takes to move the company forward. You've got quite a son. And that feels like was the moment. And the man who gave that to me 
thought he was complimenting me and that was his world in the best of intentions. But that set something in my heart of, oh, that's how you Mm -hmm. gain approval. That's how you gain recognition as a man is you work hard on the weekends and weeknights and whatever it takes and you be the guy that gets it done. So that was the beginning and that really worked for me, unfortunately. And for the next 15 to 20 years, that was, that set the template for how I would get approval and gain in my career. And so when I started with you guys, um, the most disruptive thing was, how do I now live when I know productivity isn't the answer, mm-hmm. when I know it's presence, but I don't even, I don't even have the inner language or tools to really walk in that comfortably. So it was disruptive in the in the best sense, mm-hmm. but that was that was the beginning of a season of humility, mm-hmm. um, of not trying to be the lead person on a team, feeling better when performance went better. Mm-hmm. And even how I organized my day, Morgan, like and Craig, like it before it would have been how much have I gotten done that day? Mm-hmm. And now it's Truly, the highlight of a day may be somebody walks in at 2 o'clock and says, hey, let's go down and smoke a cigar. Mm -hmm. I just want to catch up. Or um, do you have time to go to lunch today? And normally I would have, you know, my answer would have been, no, I don't have time to go to lunch. I've got to get stuff done. (laughs) And just the impromptu relational freedom to pour into other people, to care about their heart, to know they care about your heart, like that's been a new world for me mm-hmm. in my 40s, mm-hmm. you know, that I had never tasted before. Mm-hmm. Alan, I, I remember when you first came, a number of those conversations of uh, me affirming to you that uh, your presence was what we're looking for, what we hired you for, what we brought you to be a part of this team. And I can remember each time of those, maybe the first 20 of those conversations, (laughs) you just frozen looking at me with your mouth open and kind of this thousand mile glaze. And you could just see that those words were an entirely different category. And you could just see your heart and head just processing. Really? Is that true? And maybe even some skepticism that that is the case. But it was a radical, radical change. And and I just want to affirm that you're not that guy anymore. I mean, it's only been a few years. Right. And one of the things I love is you do go downstairs and have the cigar. Your office door is open. You almost seem like you're baiting people to come in and have a little chat with you. <laughs> and um, there's just a remarkable a remarkable change in you from that driven, productive, performance guy, and you are all of that in terms of productive, to a guy that you do want to go in and talk to, get your wisdom, your thoughts, your reaction. I I come to you with stuff and say, hey, can I bounce this off of you? In just a couple of short years, there's been a core change with you here. It's been a detox from productivity. And that doesn't mean, as Morgan said earlier, we still get stuff done. Yeah. But, um, you know, the deepest laughter and the deepest joy seems to come from people who know the deeper parts of you, your mm-hmm. story, your life. And 
I didn't have much of that deeper joy earlier because I didn't let people know me. Yes. Um, and I think back to just this was a little over a year ago. And because you guys know me and because you care enough to step in, we were at a director's meeting just about a year ago. And I thought I had made a lot of progress, and, and, and I have. But when this starts to surface again, we had had an international event. And I remember in the director's meeting, the question came up of um, end of year budget. And we had not gotten paid yet for the resources because it was in a different currency. Right. And we couldn't take it with us. And now months have gone by and we still haven't gotten paid. And I was taking that on as a real failure of, gosh, we're ending the year and and I can't get this money in in time. And it was really derailing me from the standpoint of, hey, I want to be the guy that makes it happen, that Mm -hmm. comes through, that delivers. And yet I have no ability to make this happen. And you guys really stepped in and just said, hey, wait a minute, this is more than, this is not the normal reaction that you should have in a situation like this. It's it's in God's hands. It's going to come through. But yeah, it's okay that you're not making it happen. That's yes. not on you. Mm-hmm. And it quickly moved into a four streams, yes. a time of prayer, mm-hmm. a time of healing. Um, I remember, Morgan, you stepped in at the end of the meeting and said, hey, I... There's actually a good friend of mine who I know who you might want to think about talking to. He's a counselor, and he actually, I think there's more there. There's more gold if you want to go after mm-hmm. it. That started a process where after meeting with this this really strong sage for months and months of a lot of healing. Mm. And that would have never been in my vocabulary yes. earlier. It would have been, like I remember... At first, when you guys tried to push in on that, I was thinking, I don't have the issue here. You guys do. Why aren't you more concerned? Why aren't you wanting to help make it happen? Let's all travel back internationally to this place, get the bags and take the money. and Beat the crap out of that guy. (laughs) God love him. (laughs) So anyway, that's just one example, though, of even after living in this for a couple of years and really seeking presence, to have those men around you to say, whoa. We're seeing something here that we know is not the truest you. Go after that. Let's do it together. Let's. And so thank you. Alan, what I love about that story is that you responded to God's invitation. See, the culture is radically different here than what you were in, but that doesn't change the man inside. It just set up an opportunity for you to respond to the father saying, son, you want to go here? Because I'm giving you a chance to walk away from the false place of, I am loved when I achieve to the place of I am loved because I'm a son. And now out of being a son, I'm going to bring a strength. And so it's so important to just name like you're the one that called the counselor. You're the one that took those Mm -hmm. sessions. You're the one that was so receptive to honest challenging of how you choose to make life work. I just have loved observing the, the fruit of that in your life. There was one day this past summer. It was so cool. It was another busy day where we have lots going on. And I looked outside and there's a full on car wash happening with all these kids. And I see you running around and I could tell it's like herding cats with your kids and relatives kids. And the idea of a summer car wash with your children is a no brainer. It's a great idea. But as a reality on any given Wednesday of the week, 
is a really difficult, I mean, it's literally an impossible stretch for a man whose greatest value is productivity. And I just had this grin on my face of that's it. That's the magic. And I raced out, I got my car, I drove around and I'm like, oh, watch this thing. And, and, but it was such a beautiful moment to see that you have really responded to the invitation. And I think that's the highlight of your story that moves me the most. It's not circumstances that allowed you to become a different man. It's you choosing to respond to God through the circumstances that he provided. Oh, man. Thank you for bringing that memory back. I had forgotten about that. But so much of it is that concept of presence. And how do I be present for my children? How do I be present for you guys? And productivity, while it's not bad or good, it rarely is the foundation Mm -hmm. for intimacy with anybody. And the journey of me becoming a son has been a new one. And so the whole sonship journey, and Morgan, from your talks at boot camp and and our conversations, that was a new category for me Mm -hmm. a few years ago was how do I be a son of God, not just a follower of God? And my initial um, journey into that was, well, yeah, let me be a son for a few months and then I'll be a king and a sage. And to realize actually being a son is a lifelong process. Like Mm. no matter what other stage you're in, you're always a son of God. That's a lifelong journey as his son. And you can't be a son very well if you don't sit in the presence of the father. Mm. Like you can't really be a son if you're not with the father. Mm. And so that has really changed my relationship with God, with you guys, with my family, my wife, kids. It's been huge, and it takes the pressure off of what you've gotten done or your performance or their performance into what really matters. And uh, my son last night had a championship basketball game. He's 14, and this is new terrain for me, but used to, if I wasn't coaching, even in the audience, in the bleachers, I would be very vocal, very vocal um, in terms of what was happening. We know that, Alan. (laughs) So I'm on the drive to this game, and I knew it was a rowdy event that would be at the uh, opposing team's gym, a lot of noise, energy, and pressure to win. And so as a dad, I went there, and on my drive in, I'm praying to God, more than anything, God, I want your presence with Mm. me in this game I want to be above the agitation of what happens in a competitive game. I want to be able to sit there and I want to pray for joy for our players and their players. And more than that, I pray the kingdom over that entire facility because it's your land before it's the school's land. And so your kingdom rule, not the refs, not the parents, not the players, but your kingdom rule over this event And let me walk into it as a son. Mm. And I got to tell you, it really changed everything. And that's not even a category I would have had before. It would have been, I'm going to a game. The objective is to win. And it's successful if we win. And to sit there and think, yeah, it'd be great if we win. They did win, by the way. Mm. It was a team that was undefeated all season. And they, against all odds, won. But... I hope I would have been just as true and just as content, even if they had had a game where they just enjoyed the chance to play. And as a dad, I could cheer my son on in that. Mm. 
So, Alan, this last year, I recall it uh, a year or so ago, at our Christmas party, we had a talent show. And uh, I mean, people were showing off their dance moves. And I'll never forget Morgan showing off how many pull-ups he could do. <laughs> I just need to be a productive. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Alan's talent, your talent, Alan, was bringing a couple of quart-sized jars of uh, hot salsa and just drinking them in front of – Chugging them. Chugging them in front of uh, – yeah, that's a new word, chugging. Yeah, it's an old word. Yeah. So I've Alan's chugging a couple of quarts of hot sauce in his suit, which he just put the fire of his tail of his sport coat out. <laughs> Literally with a candle. <laughs> you, Alan, you were on fire that night. You were on fire. Fire God. His first Christmas this was his first Christmas party, wasn't it? Yeah. When he's on fire. Like he's chugging salsa. Yes. Yeah. Just chugging salsa. That was the talent. And that was before I got up and sang Ave Maria. And, uh, <laughs> but oh so goodness. the old Alan chugged two quarts. The new Alan would what? Do less or more? You know what? The old Alan would have had so much pressure to do something that was a true talent. That, that would have been, there would have been something noteworthy or productive. It was a talent. No, we all walked away. You mistook oh. our reaction. Yeah. That is no. a talent. I mean, yeah. but I'm saying just to be comfortable and to have the joy of, yeah, everybody else may be, it may be like a piano recital here and then. <laughs> There may be dance moves here and there may be quoting from the Christmas Carol, you know, novel here. But just to bring joy and fun, that's a new phase for me. Yes. It really – every year one of the things that I initiated a few years ago was a white elephant Christmas party. And there's there's not a whole lot of spiritual overlay to that. It's it's. I'd say none. None. OK, none. <laughs> but it is a blast. It's more laughter – than we have in a normal week, you know, because everybody's trading gifts and it's fun and competitive in a way of, I want that present. No, that's mine. No, that. And so a lot of laughter and joy. Well, years ago, I would have been the guy going, I don't have time to go to this. You guys do it. I'm going to stay in my office and get 10 more emails (laughs) done. And to be able now to say, I want to organize part of that joy. I want to initiate that and invite others into it. Again, it's just... um, I love this season of life, and it's it's not easy. It's hard won because you have to go into it with a decision of more than anything else, I want to be a son. I want to be present, and I want to do this with God and with mm-hmm. you guys. And so many days the old man tries to come back, and you just have to say, no, I'm not that man anymore. I am not going to lose to productivity what I've lost so many years and decades to, now I'm going to be the one who actually enjoys the moment, lives in that moment with you guys. Mm. So that's that's the journey I'm on, and that's, um, that's what makes me most come alive now. Alan, I want to add a footnote to this because it's e- it could be easy for someone listening to say, wait a second, so now you just do car washes, smoke cigars, chug salsa, and you're a son. And all those things are true. It'd be very easy. It'd be very easy. But here's the deal. I'm just this – I'm observing this in this conversation of how the kingdom of God operates. The reality is the last couple years under your leadership with our Ransom Heart content have been the most productive of our history. Hmm. We've produced more. 
we've reached more people, we've had a larger scope and a larger impact than ever before. And I just want to name that because it's the wild paradox of the kingdom of God. It's the parable of becoming good soil where God says there's only one shortcut. There's only one kingdom shortcut, and that is to become good soil because then we have a harvest of 30, 60, 100 fold. So the beauty of it is it hasn't been at the expense of actually stewarding your role. It's actually allowed you to flourish in your role because you're bringing a strength that's infused by God and his kingdom instead of bringing a broken man that's needing to answer his question through it. And so I really think it's just important to name that Mm -hmm. reality. Mm -hmm. That's really good. The work of God internally, slowing us down and shifting us to a kingdom-oriented, focused heart, to being a son versus an orphan, it has an impact. It sounds kind of internal and maybe isolated from all the other categories in life, but you're a better husband. You're a better colleague. I mean, the fruit of that is enormous. It's not just an internal work, though it is that. It bears fruit that people see and that we're benefiting from, Alan. Well, thank you, guys. Alan, it's so good to talk through all the changes on all of these different fronts and particularly in this work arena. But I'm also aware of how much has been going on in observing your life with Kelly and the kids. Go there for a bit. Tell us more about that. Yeah, over the last 10 years, it's been huge growth, maybe more growth at home than professionally in that the man that I used to be um, in terms of work, which was high focus on productivity, that was the man at home too. That's what I valued. So it was what got done. It was um, more control, I think, around the house. And it was less just joy and it was less spontaneity and it was less just ability to to have fun and breathe and play. And 10 years ago, we had two of our three kids, but they were still really young. And Kelly and I both during that time, I think we have gone through so much change together in our individual walks with God, but that has brought a unique joy into our home life. And really, Kelly has been, she is the one who's kind of taught me quite a bit about grace and about mercy and about living in the moment uh, in a big way. And so part of the man that I'm becoming is um, just a man who hungers more for grace and mercy and joy in relationships. And the cool thing is to see that spill out into our kids because it's totally different in a home where the goal is no offense and no focus on you know, fault or things of that nature, but just to really live in a state of joy and freedom. And then you couple with that a move to Colorado, which was huge for both of us as a family, as parents, as a married couple. um, Everything changes from your church community, your school community for your kids, friends who were there. Now you have different friends. And it's allowed Kelly and I to grow closer together because you really are starting new again, all kind of new frontiers together. So it's been really good, and it's been really good to experience together how to grow. Mm, That's good. 
Can I add another category? Yeah, I've got two more, actually. Okay. Alan, a few years ago, you worked with messengers in helping them get their message out, and you still do that. But one of the changes I see is you're now a man who has a message, a message of your own that is Alan Arnold's message, working with creative people and just helping them find that sweet spot of stepping into their call, their giftedness, and and all that God has for them and may want to offer to others through them. And, And that's amazing. That's an amazing transformation. You now are a man that has a message, insight, words for others that just brings life and freedom and hope and joy and direction to a lot of people. Well, it is new because I had worked with writers, storytellers, Mm -hmm. novelists for probably 20 years, and I thought the most I could offer them was how to successfully be published and how to hopefully make that become a bestseller. And so that was my offering, which is all external. And I was living in a mostly external world then. And when I was leaving to come to Ransomed Heart, God blew me away. He just spoke into my heart and said, your new ministry, your personal ministry, in addition to Ransomed Heart, is going after the hearts of creatives. And I just thought that's impossible because Mm -hmm. I'm leaving any platform that would have me in front of those people. So, man, it sounds good, but I don't think it's going to happen. And in spite of my disbelief or questioning God immediately began to open doors. People were inviting me to speak on the very topic of how to create with God, how to walk with him in the world of the imagination and in story. And uh, the really cool thing, Craig and Morgan, is I have purposely said, God, I'm all in, but I'm no longer going to be the guy pushing the 10, you know, the 100-pound boulder up the hill. Mm -hmm. So if this is a view, and I know it is, then you open those doors, and I'll run through, but I'm not going to make it happen. And what's been really cool is over the last three years, the ministry has expanded, but it's all him. I'm no longer living in that striving or stress of productivity or, wow, I've got to do something now to keep the momentum going. It's really resting in God and going, just like a son Mm -hmm. who goes on a road trip with the father. And the father's in control. The father's got the car. He has the money. He knows where they're going. If it's a son with him, the son gets to enjoy the lavishness of the trip and the surprises along the way. It's not up to the son to direct the car or to make sure there's enough gas in the car. And so I've really taken that posture with God of, I'm all in, Mm -hmm. but only if you're the one leading, only if this is your trip. And if it is then let's go wherever you want to go. So, yeah, Craig, thank you. That's It's brought me a lot of life, but it's the first time in my life I feel like that instead of trying to grow it through my own strength, I'm really trying to just rest in him mm. and walk well with him in this really cool journey. Mm. Can I throw out another one? Yeah. I'm on a roll here, buddy. Go. Sure right. are. So, You're still uh, on A-game. Hey, hey, get me while you can. Wow. <laughs> Alan, one of my, um, I'm sure it wasn't my first encounter with you, but it was one of the early encounters, and it was certainly one that I remember vividly. We were doing um, a boot camp, and I think you were an intercessor. 
And uh, right. we were sitting down at a lunch table together, and um, I just grabbed an open seat and it happened to be across from you, and and we were just chatting, kind of lightly. In fact, I I think I was talking to two or three guys. You were one right. of those two That's or right. three. And you dialed down on something I had to say, and it would have been so easy just to let it go. It's light, general conversation. And uh, you dialed down on something I said, and you really went after my heart in a powerful way. And you took me to God, God the Father, and in the process of you spending, I, I forget how much time it was. I don't think it was a lot, but it was significant. You brought some profoundly deep healing to me in my woundedness and in my uh, missed relationship with my father and brought me to the father in a rich way. And I just remember walking away from that, one, being drawn to God, God working in my heart and life, and just really impressed with your ability to do four streams with people. And I think you, I think you have a phenomenal ability to do that. And I think you have done that since you've been there. I think you're really good at it. And so I want to compliment that because of the power and impact it's had on my life. And I also want to say, go for it, man. There's more of that for you, you know, in the arena of, of what can be viewed as kind of support staff, and then there's the platform guys, you, Alan, have an incredible ministry to those around you that goes deep and profound and brings God. And I've experienced it. I affirm it. I think you're growing in that. And there's this part of me that just wants to wave that and say, bring more of that, Alan. That's really good. That's really rich. And I know you do it in speaking and working with creative types. But around here you do it as well, and stay with it, buddy. It's powerful. It's rich. It's welcomed. It's really good. Thanks, Greg. And I just I just want to say to any guy uh, listening right now, if you are that driven, productive man, you may think you have to be because, you know, that's what brings in the income or that's what keeps things going, I would just really encourage you to step out of that. There is a better way. And I found that better way in my mid-40s. Um, I hope, if you're listening, if you're a lot younger than that, or if you're, if you're older, that you find it now. Because I've got to tell you, the whole journey of going from drivenness to sonship is the best thing in the world. And mm -hmm. to live as a son that doesn't mean you won't be productive. It doesn't mean you won't get things done. But it changes the whole dynamic of who you are and how you walk through life. And that's going to be the impact that matters for your sons and daughters and for your spouse and for your coworkers. Like that's where the very best part of your story begins. Mm -hmm. So while this was a little bit of my story, I really feel like God's desire is, as you listen is for your story and go into that and dive in and just say, whatever it takes, I'll do it. I want to be a son. I want to have the presence of God more than anything else. And then just watch what happens in your mm. story then. Mm. 
Thank you, Alan. This has been the Ransomed Heart Podcast. This is Craig McConnell, Alan Arnold, and Morgan Snyder signing off and hoping you'll join us again next week. And as you know, resources just to take you deeper in your walk and in your development and deepening as a follower of God, go to RansomHeart.com. We've got a treasure chest of things there for you. 